What a terrific story of neighboring, isn't it? That's neighboring in the extreme, right? <laughs> and uh, thanks, Dean, for sharing that story with us. That is really encouraging and meaningful. You know, God has given each one of us something that we can share. And, uh, and you just never know who God's going to put in your, uh, in your way. <laughs> well, that's really good. Um, just a couple things before I get into today's message on the art of neighboring. We're in our second last week of that, and uh, we'll be heading on uh, in a couple weeks. Next week will be our final message on this. And then the week after that, we are going to do an Ask the Pastor Day. So um, if you have a question, a burning question, theological question, whatever, maybe it's about neighboring, it can be about anything, uh, we would really like you to give us that question. So you can use your connection card today and you can write that question out or you can email it in to us. We'd like to have them in advance so we got a little bit of preparation, right? It's not just... Because some questions sometimes get we get are, are difficult and we're not as smart as we look sometimes, you know. <clears throat> but we would just like to hear what your what's on your mind and what your uh, what maybe uh, some of the questions you have. And so we're going to be doing that in two weeks. Have a day that is uh, is devoted to answering questions. So uh, as we complete this uh, series next week, that's what we'll be moving to next. And then we're heading into Advent. Can you believe it's almost Christmas? Then we have the first week of Advent following that. So and on, uh, that's December the second. And December the 2nd, we'll have our first uh, morning Advent service. And then in the evening, we're going to be doing another um, communion service, uh, communion, with the gathering, <clears throat> a night of worship and communion, uh, joining together here at Parkway on December the 2nd in the evening. So that's going to be happening as well on uh, December the 2nd, the first day of Advent um, also. Good. Um, our, uh, our refugees are arriving in a week and a half on uh, November 20th, and we're looking forward to that. Tomorrow we get the keys to their new home, and we're going to start getting that set up this week. People are going in advance to make sure everything is all ready, gets kind of the cupboards full. And then on Friday and Saturday, we're going to be moving all the furniture in. We've gotten most of the furniture that we need. If uh, we're still accepting some donations, Liz can tell you what we still need. Um, but uh, we have mostly everything, and we're going to move that in on Friday and Saturday. Um, and uh, so we need some helpers to help us load a truck on Friday, uh, and and possibly on Saturday we're going to uh, the gathering. They have a cube van um, that they use to uh, because they have a portable church. They don't have a church building, so they keep all their stuff on the cube van. We're going to empty the cube van here, and we're going to start loading it up with stuff that we have stored back here, and then go over to where we've been storing uh, furniture at the um, at Miriam and Lee Ob's uh, garage at their house, and then gather it all together and get it over there on Saturday morning. If you can help Friday night or Saturday with the lifting. Uh, we could really use some help with that. So we haven't got a lot of people committed to that yet, and we just need some hands on deck for that. So if you're an able-bodied person that would like to help out, please see Liz or write it on your connection card. Let us know one way or another that you're able to help us with that as well. <clears throat> and then I have one more thing that I need to say and uh, or want to say, and that is that uh, <clears throat> my water's right over there. Can you just pass it to me? It's right there. This is happening too frequently now, but I did bring water, but I forgot to bring it up. Um, e-transfers. 
uh, for offerings. If you would like to give your offering by e-transfer, we are now able to receive those. Um, in the last uh, month, we've been able to arrange that with our banks. So if you want to give by e-transfer, you can do that. And you, if you need instructions on how to do that, you want uh, Liz can help you with that. Liz can answer all the questions. We'll just get her up for Q&A Sunday, and she'll answer all the questions because <coughs> she knows everything. So today we're talking about giving and receiving. We quote part of a scripture verse that we'll talk about in a few moments. It's better to give than receive. And we mostly quote that out of context. Because sometimes it is better to give than to receive, but it's also really good to receive. And that's what we're going to really focus on today, that receiving is good. And it actually is sometimes harder than giving. And so it's important that we are willing to receive. We moved into our neighborhood uh, a couple of years, a uh, year and a half ago, and uh, one of the, about just a few weeks after we'd been there, our neighbor came to the door, and she said, this may be weird to you, she said, but we're going on vacation tomorrow, and I have this produce left over in my fridge, and it's going to, it's going to, you know, just rot in the fridge while we're on vacation, so would you mind taking it? <laughs> And uh, she said, I would have given it to the people who lived here before, so <laughs> I'm giving it to you. And so she had, you know, a little plastic, uh, one of those plastic containers of lettuce and some cucumbers or whatever, and uh, she was bringing that over to us. And so really the first time, my first experience with neighboring in our neighborhood was to be a receiver, not a giver. And it's important that we can receive things from our neighbors as well as give to them. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, Proverbs, <clears throat> Proverbs 27 verse 10 says, it's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. We can relate to this. This is just a, a piece of wisdom that the scripture gives us. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother far away. I have, a, I have one brother. He's younger than I am, four years younger than I am. And he is a pastor as well. And he never seems to be pastoring close by, or at least recently. He's been in Saskatchewan, and he's been in British Columbia, in northern British Columbia. And now he's in northern Manitoba, in Thompson, Manitoba. How many of you know where Thompson, Manitoba is? Yeah. It's way up there. It's a, it's a, it's a, a mining town. And he's pastoring there. So if I need help, he's not the one to call. Right? Because he's too far away. And oftentimes the people that we have learned to count on in life are actually not really accessible to us. And so the scripture says it's better to have a neighbor close by than a brother far away. It's better to go to a neighbor close by. So scripture tells us it's a good thing when you need help to go to your neighbor. Scripture gets the idea of neighboring. And here's some reasons why it's, it is good to be a receiver and not just a giver. First of all, because when you always give, it feels like a condescension. If you're always the person that gives, then it feels like a con condescension. Just think of the story of uh, that uh, that we just saw with Dean, and how important it was to his neighbor that he not just be the person that was on the receiving end. And so, what he could do is he could invite his 
He could invite his new friends, his neighbors, over for a meal, and he could prepare a meal for them. And it's important that that Dean and his family respond to that and went and enjoyed that meal. Because if we're always the one giving, it looks like we are better than. You know, in some relationships, that's good. You know, when you're in a parent-child relationship, the children always look to the parents to give to them. Give, 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 give. You know, they're 20 years old and it's still, they're holding their hand out, right? <clears throat> it just doesn't end. Uh, but you know, in normal relationships, peer-to-peer relationships, neighbor-to-neighbor relationships, it's important that we not take a position of power or of condescension on their part. Acts 20, verse 35, is where that little phrase comes from. It's more blessed to give than receive. And this is what the whole verse says. It says, And I have been constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul, in his context, is saying, yeah, there are needy people in the world. And in that case, it's better to give than to receive. When there is someone that's in need, yeah, you shouldn't take from them. You should give to them. But when the, when the playing field is even, when you're talking peer to peer, neighbor to neighbor, you know, uh, when you're, when your driveways are side by side and you, you kind of, you know, you live in the same kind of house, you're, you're equals. It's important that there be no sense of condescension on your part towards your neighbor. So it's important that you, you understand that the idea of the being more blessed to give than receive has to do with when you see needs. You don't take from someone that's needy. You give to someone who's needy. But when it's a relationship, you want to be able to have it mutual. Our tendency is to put ourselves in positions of power. In this case, always being the one to give. We want to be seen as the capable one with all the resources and all the answers. But it's good not to be in that position. Secondly, it's not good to always be the giver because people respond well to vulnerability. When you admit to your neighbor that you have a need, that you have something that uh, that you need as well, that you have needs, it's important because they understand your vulnerability. You're human too. You're not someone that is above that. Others need to be givers as well. They need that blessing of being able to see your need and give to you because for them it's more blessed to give than receive as well. And um, <clears throat> thirdly, it's important to give to be a receiver and not just a giver because giving all the time leads to burnout. If you're always the one that's giving, if you're always the one that's doing for others then you can easily get burnt out. In fact, that's just an unhealthy thing to be doing. In the, in the, in the, uh, in the world, they call that codependency. Someone that has to be a rescuer. Someone that has to, has to always have people around them that have needs so that they can feel like they're important enough. That can be a very unhealthy thing. And it leads to burnout. You need to be a person that is able to receive as well as to give. There has to be that reciprocity in the world. Otherwise, you would be finding yourself uh, uh, burning out, getting tired, not getting actually what you're looking for out of that relationship. Fourthly, receiving allows everyone to participate in the relationship. And this is important. If you're going to build a relationship with someone, there has to be participation on both sides. And so there has to be a sense of mutuality. Um, 
we've been involved with this this refugee project, and uh, right from the beginning, um, Omar, Al Omar, who was uh, one of the refugees we sponsored a couple years ago, said to us, I want to help. He said, I want to be able to give back now. I want to help someone else. You gave me such a great experience helping me to move here to Canada, and I love Canada so much. He said, and I love what you've done. I want to help now. And Omar's been a great, is, has been a help to us so far. He was part of our last committee meeting and, and he's been able to connect, uh, he's been able to contact our new refugee family and, um, and talk to them on the telephone. And they, they've been able to be in contact. He can obviously speak their language. He can speak Arabic. And so he's kind of been one of our connection points with them. But the, the, the fact that we now have this relationship with Omar that is a mutual relationship, where he's in the position to be able to give back, is very important for him. And it's very important to human dignity that we can be in that position. So don't always take that position of being the giver. It's, uh, it's, it's important to be one who is willing to receive as well. Another reason why it's important to be a receiver and not just a giver is because the purpose of neighboring is not to make you the hero. That's not the primary purpose of neighboring. It's not to make you look good or to make your lifestyle look good or your choices look good. It's not to, it's not to set you apart from the rest of your neighborhood. It's to help the whole neighborhood. It's to, it's to build a community for everyone working together for the common good. It's to, it's to work together to make your neighborhood a safer, more pleasant place to live. It's to bring up the level of, of enjoyment and pleasure for people that live in your neighborhood, for every person, not just for you. It's not about you being the answer to all your neighborhood's problems. This is why it's important that we, again, that we, we, you know, we participate in everything that's going on in our neighborhoods. The art of being neighborly is not just about us doing for others. So I know, you know, in the book it talks a lot about, um, you know, doing things like having a, uh, a block party. And we've done that. We hosted a block party. We organized a block party, and that's really a good thing. But if someone else hosts a block party, it's important for us to join in their block party. It's important for us to, to, to when we get invited to one of our neighbor's homes or, or to be, participate in something that they're doing in their backyard or, or out on the street, it's important for us to join in that as well. It's important for us to go to our neighbor and ask for a hand uh, when we need a hand or to borrow something. It's important for us to participate in that is in fully as well. And uh, finally, what's wrong with always being the giver? A bond is created when we serve one another. Their true relationships are always mutually serving one another. We are always helping one another. The authors say this, when a community of reciprocity is created, there are real opportunities to serve and be served. Then a neighborhood becomes less isolated and more self-sufficient as a whole. A feeling of, we can do this together, is created and that's healthy. You know, I think maybe we experience this um, at certain times in life where the whole neighborhood comes together and there's a feeling of connectedness, like in a snowstorm, all right? Are you ready for a snowstorm? I'm not the ones coming tomorrow, but there's one coming. I can guarantee it. We live in a world where snowstorms come. 
And you know when you have one of those really big snowstorms and everything, you know, you're stuck inside and the snow is piling up and the snow is piling up and then, you know, you open the front door uh, when the storm is finally over and the snow is way up there and you got to, you know, you, you got to kind of attack it from the inside out, right? And everybody's out in their yard or out in their driveway shoveling. And then the guy with the big snowblower, his garage door opens, you know, and he fires up that snowblower and he does his driveway and then he does the neighbor's driveway and then he comes across. You're thinking, maybe he'll come across and do mine. <laughs> and, and sure enough, you know, we had, in our last neighborhood, we had, we had a neighbor that just loved to, he, he, he clean up all the, you know, the, the, the edges of the, the, uh, the curb you know, with his snowblower, and he just loved to do that, and uh, and it was a real blessing to all of us. But you know, when you're all out there, and you all get, and then someone gets stuck, like, you know, like Dean talked about in the, you know, that happens in the snow, and, you know, everybody kind of gets together around the stuck car and gives it a push in the neighborhood, and there's this feeling that comes in those moments, in those experiences, where we're serving one another, where a bond is formed. And maybe someone you've never met before you meet them in a snowstorm and you introduce yourself and they introduce themselves to you. And all of a sudden, you start a relationship because you had the opportunity to serve one another. And so that's a very important thing for us to understand that this, this reciprocity, this serving together actually is what builds community. It's not just about us doing for others. It's about us having that kind of relationship where we give and we receive as well. Now, if you're going to be a receiver, it requires certain characters, character qualities that the scripture highly values and are things that we should cultivate in our life no matter what. But in the art of neighboring, it's important that we cultivate certain character qualities such as humility. It always is a humbling thing to ask someone else for help. It's a humbling thing. You know, I have my own farm story. I was a green farmer once before. I took a job after college before I, um, I, uh, I got my first ministry posting and I went to work on a farm that was near where we were living. And uh, and you'll appreciate the story, Dean. But I was given the responsibility of uh, pulling out. They had a lot of forests at the, on this farm. It was a, a multiple-use farm, and they had crops. They had they had a market garden. They had some cattle and that kind of thing. So one of the things I had to do uh, was drive the tractor with a load of of, uh, of firewood on a trailer behind it. And uh, simple enough, I just had to go into the to the woodlot and uh, and do that. So I I got in. I'd never driven a tractor before. I learned how while I was there, and I've never backed up anything with a trailer on it. So I managed to get myself pinned, the front tire of the tractor and the tire back tire of the trailer, between two um, tree stumps that hadn't been cut off yet, and I was stuck. And so I had to get down, I had to walk, I had to go and find someone to actually get me unstuck. I had to take the trailer off, you know, and all that kind of thing and help get me out of this. Another time I was, uh, we had a bunch of, it was spring, and there were some turnips that they had wintered over, just a trial kind of thing of how to winter over these turnips in a special thing. Anyway, they all froze. So... Uh, 
this was their answer to the problem was to they would we put all the turnips with pitchforks into a manure spreader and then went out to the to the I, then I was given the job to go out to the field where the cows were and spread these turnips all over for the cows to eat them up which was disgusting but anyway Anyway, I was on my way back from that. Everything had gone well. The cows were eating the, 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 the frozen turnips and I was coming down the road and I was, I, I guess I was going too fast or whatever. But anyway, I was driving down the road and the manure spreader stayed behind me somewhere on the road. The pin had popped out and there I was. And again, I had to go and ask for help. That's humbling. It's humbling. It's humbling for your neighbor, Dean. <laughs> I know how he feels. Because you get into these things, something you've never done before, or sometimes we have needs in our life, and it's a very humbling thing. Well, the scripture says this, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. You know, actually being the one that chooses a path of humility, acknowledging our needs, asking for help, being a person who doesn't have all the answers, doesn't have all the resources, you know, someone else knows better than you, is actually a great character quality for us. The Bible says in the end, we ourselves are honored for being humble and being uh, that person. Another character quality is, is gratitude. It's important to be truly grateful in our lives, to, to cultivate that attitude of gratitude. And uh, I think sometimes our, we've got gratefulness mixed up. I, I read a book recently uh, entitled Grateful by Diana Butler Bass. She's a sociologist and a historian. And she often looks at how, you know, history and so, sociology work together. But she talks about the fact of how we've traded true gratefulness uh, for kind of a social gratefulness in our society. And it's not about being grateful for things we, for receiving blessings or the things that we truly need. We have this kind of quid pro quo gratefulness. So it's things like, you know, if someone gives you a gift, then you have to give them a gift back. Um, we, we, we can't just say thank you anymore. We can't just say, oh, I needed that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. If someone invites you to their home uh, for a meal, it's, you know, in our culture, it's not, it's almost seen as being rude if you don't bring a gift with you in some circles. So, you know, you, you come to their home and have a meal, you bring them a gift. You bring them flowers or, you know, whatever. Um, some little hostess gift, they call it. And, you know, we can't just come and receive from people. We always have to be paying people back. And that's not gratefulness. That's not true gratefulness. True gratefulness is, I need to eat, you invited me in, and I get to enjoy your food and your cooking. Thank you very much. See, thank you is, is just simply being grateful for the things, not having to give back. or And not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just it doesn't really ring true of gratefulness. We need to cultivate that kind of greatness, gratefulness that says, thank you, I needed that. Thank you, you blessed me. Thank you, I enjoyed that not just feeling the obligation of giving back. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4, Paul says to the people that were giving to him, he says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. 
Paul was a man that knew what it was like to be needy. And when he wrote to these churches that often sent him things or helped out in different ways or helped him in his, in his ministry, he, he could only say thank you to them. And he was grateful for them. And we need to cultivate that kind of gratefulness in our life, not just that quid pro quo of you help me, I'll help you. But at some point in time, just to say thank you. And then vulnerability. We've already talked about that before. Galatians 6 and 2 says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. What law of Christ might you be obeying if you share with your neighbor? Oh, maybe the one that says, Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the law of Christ, that's what we've been talking about all these weeks, the law of Christ is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and all our strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so when we share each other's burdens, when we have those relationships of sharing together, we actually fulfill and obey the law of Christ. So I want you to think today a little bit about the people that are your neighbors, the people that are close to you, the people um, that are in, uh, in, in, well, as Dean said, maybe a few kilometers even if you live in the country. And think, how could I cultivate a relationship with them that's not just me giving, but also me receiving how can I put me? And don't, you know, uh, the book talks about, you know, kind of making up scenarios that you do, you know, like just to make something happen. That's not authentic either. It's not authentic to say, well, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so for a little while, so I don't really need a cup of sugar, but if I go into their door to borrow a cup of sugar, then I'll at least have a contact with them. But that's not authentic. Let's be real. Let's be truthful. Let's be honest. So find something that you really need. And when you really have a need, go to your neighbor. Don't count on the people that are far away. Count on the neighbor that's close by. And, and be prepared to, to open your door or to walk in their door and to walk in their world. And sometimes that's hard because maybe they'll invite you to their house for a, for, for dinner or for uh, a, a party that they're hosting for the neighborhood at Christmas time. And, and maybe everything that's going to go on at that party isn't something you're comfortable with. Maybe it's not the way you would choose to celebrate or live your life. And, you know, the, the, uh, the authors of our book talk about that experience that they have going to a neighbor's house where there was a lot of drinking going on. They really weren't comfortable with their, their kids being there. But as they talked about it and prayed about it, they said they really needed to continue on developing that relationship in order that they could encourage them, encourage their neighbors. So sometimes we get ourselves, when we're, when we're, we're talking about you know, being receivers as well as givers, it's not always going to be easy. There are going to be some awkward moments, some difficult moments. But I believe the Lord tells us in those moments we should humble ourselves, we should be grateful for that opportunity, and we should allow ourselves to be in that position of vulnerability. Lord, I pray that you would help us today as we consider, we continue to consider this art of neighboring idea. Lord, we've talked a lot about giving to others, being there to support our neighbors and to help our neighbors. But Lord, we also need to be willing to receive. And sometimes that's really hard, Lord. So help us, Lord God, to uh, just be humble, 
to be grateful, to show true gratitude, to be vulnerable where we need to be vulnerable, in order that, Lord, we can actually obey the law of Christ to love our, love our neighbors as ourselves. We pray it in Jesus' name.